Roll sound, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. Put your bad bags on. Join me home. We'll have some fun when the bad strikes one. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. We're gonna rock, rock, rock till broad daylight. We're gonna rock, we're gonna rock around the clock tonight. Stinky Pools podcast with Scott. And with Paul, hello. Good evening. Bit of a different type of movie this time round. I was just trying to mix it up a little. I'm glad you brought this one to the table, mate, because we're going to spend the next, I don't know how long, talking about the soundtrack to it. It's um, definitely a music-based film. Not a musical. It's not a musical, no. But a, a film that just wouldn't have worked without the amount of music it has in it. We were just saying, I don't think there's an actual score to this. No, I can't think of any point in the film where the radio isn't playing. Yeah, it's it's American Graffiti, 1973. You must know that anyway, listeners, because you've downloaded the episode. But it's not unique in that fact that there is no score. But I, I, I think music plays such an important part of this movie. We need to dedicate our preamble before we get into the review of the film to the songs I say I text you after rewatching it on a couple of nights ago and I just said just watched American Footy what a soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) people ask me where I get my love for old um, music from I was brought up with old people, but (laughs) (laughs) you know those influences of siblings, parents, and all that. That's it. We've said this. Neither me nor you were alive in, especially not in the fifties or the sixties. Yeah, and yet we both have an affinity to the music from those eras. Yeah, and my mum, yeah, she loved the Beatles, Cliff Richard, all that. So I was put through all that when I was put through it all. Well, at the time, you you are sort of, oh, why are you playing this again? But for? now, when you go but, back, it's yeah, like, mm, yeah. yeah. For me, specifically, the American Graffiti soundtrack album, I bought on cassette when I was about 14, 15. Just because it had a load of rock and roll and doo-wop mm. stuff on it. Yeah. And I've still got the cassette upstairs. I've just found... The CD version. We have here the double CD, <laughs> which is... How many still, tracks? Still looking pretty good condition, actually. Uh, yeah. 41 tracks on yeah, it. Yeah, so I replaced it on CD because it was probably one of the most played albums, certainly the most played soundtrack album I ever had. But going back to when we were kids, and we're talking early 70s here, there was a 50s revival. Yes, um... Shawaddy Waddy, Mud, 
um, the Rubets, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But also, Happy Days a few years later, this particular movie, That'll Be the Day with David Essex. There was a lot of 50s stuff going on. Even songs off of this album were being re-released, like Rock Around the Clock. I remember being the charts in the 70s. Yep. And, and Eddie Cochran stuff got another sort of top 10 hit in early 73, something like that. You're just looking down the track list now. You don't know where to start, do you? It's <laughs> well, you've started with Rock Around the Clock. Which, which was, opens the movie, yeah, I believe. Yeah. First ever million, million selling song. From a 50-year-old man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was no teen idol, was he, Bill Haley? Um, 16 Candles, which is coincidentally one of the films we've reviewed. We have as well. <laughs> it's, it's all linked, mate. We don't, you know... Runaway Del Shannon, which is superb. 60s and 50s. Did you ever have this soundtrack album, Donald? No. Do, do you know why? Because I never saw the film probably until early 20s. Okay, so um, we're talking what, and, the 80s? And even then, 90s. that was. I used to work shift work and I'd get in like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it was the times when ITV would always have a film on that yeah. time of night, which I used to see. Classics that I'd never mm. sat down to before, like uh, I watched From Here to Eternity. Then, blimey, it's a great I film. I like that. Again, you su- <laughs> you surprised me with every bloody revelation, mate. Okay, but I remember <laughs> seeing this on, and I, I I might have missed the first few minutes or whatever. But again, that the music got me because yeah. one of the first CDs I bought when CDs first came out in the eighties. I was working in London and um, right near HMV and Virgin Megastore, and I bought a four pack of CDs yeah. of sixties hits. Okay, yeah. And although it calls them sixties, there was quite a few fifties on there as yeah, well. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I was a eighteen-year-old lad buying sixties music in nineteen eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Same as me, mate. And yeah, and yeah it, it just. I've always loved it. Yeah. It's, it's bringing back memories that we shouldn't have, you looking down that track yeah. list. I can see the smile on your face. I just want to play the album. Yeah. yeah. We'll play a few tracks in, you know, over the top of what we're saying here just to give people an idea of the, the actual soundtrack itself because with regard to the film, it is a vital part of this movie. Mm. Oh, absolutely. But, and, I mean, even when the radio isn't playing... It's when they're at the hop, yeah, and you've got the the band playing, which I did. I can't them. remember their name, but they're, yeah. they're like they're, they were a tribute band in yeah, the seventies, and, and they done so, yeah. at the hop, yeah. and they done. Um, oh, I can't remember now. We, they, they, that'll be the day, I think. They maybe. did a couple, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. And so yeah, that's uh, that is I think the only times when you couldn't hear a radio in the car or from a shop. Yeah, or, just in the background yeah. somewhere. And the good thing about this album, I don't think you've, you've actually heard that particular album, have you? No. Right, in between, not every single track, but occasionally, sort of three or four tracks, like Wolfman Jack does <laughs> the intro to Nice. It, and you do pick up a bit of that in the movie, mm. and, and they relay that here on this soundtrack album. But a bit like, do you remember when the Pulp Fiction, was it the Pulp Fiction or the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack album came out? Yeah. And it had Billy Bob Kay or whatever his name yes, was doing yeah. the linking bit who was 
what was his name, the comedian? There we go. I've had to I've had to look this up, mate, because I've completely forgotten it. Stephen Wright. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And he played um, K. Billy's Super Sounds of the Seventies Weekend, and he links the tracks on the Reservoir Dogs album. Where you've got Wolfman Jack, actually, is Wolfman Jack? Yeah, from the fifties yeah. in this movie and on the soundtrack album as well. I mean, just just knock some of these out, mate. What have we got? Here? Come on. So. Oh, at the Hulk, you've got... What's that? Danny and the Juniors, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, this album isn't always the original artist, I've found. Go on. Flash, Cadillac and the Continental Kids. Singing what? Uh, singing At the Hulk and She's So Fine. Right, they're, they're Was that the group? group, I think. Yeah, because it's Danny and the Juniors did the original, yeah. So these are the guys that are playing yeah. At the Hulk. Um You've got some Beach Boys on there. Mm. Um, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes by The Platters Book of Love Great Pretender which again I loved originally through uh, Freddie Mercury's version I I knew you were going to say that (laughs) but appreciate the original Um, Fats Domino Chuck Berry there is some absolutely brilliant songs on here one thing I did notice about the 50s and 60s mm. they did like to go on about 16 year olds <laughs> I've said this before not necessarily to you but 16 is not necessarily a, a, a word that rhymes with anything yeah but when you think you're 16 you're beautiful you're mine she was only 16 you know, yeah I've always said this before it's a little bit dubious isn't times it times have changed <laughs> times have changed mate yeah <laughs> Chantilly Lace. Oh, bless him, yeah. Old um, Big Bopper. The Big Bopper died with Buddy Holly and the Chantilly Lace yeah. had yeah. a pretty face. Yeah, and oh, one of my favourite instrumentals, uh, Green Onions. Oh, Booker T. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I bet you this isn't every tune that was played in, the, in there. I'm just looking at Wikipedia now. It, it lists... The original LP track listing mm. had four sides, so it was a double album. And let's have a look. There's 10 plus 11 plus 10 plus 10, so that's 41 tracks. Oh. On the CD, which you're looking at yeah, now, two discs, there's 41. Yeah. Looking at that, I can't think of anything that's missing. And if there's 41 tracks, they couldn't have squeezed much more in. No, because even at two minutes each, that's an hour 20. So, yeah, some of them are up to three minutes. Yeah, so. and accounting for the, the yeah. occasional bit of dialogue, you know. it's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what a great way to do a coming-of-age movie. And it was loosely based around George Lucas's own uh, teenage years. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what a great way to do it is to bring in all that music, not just the odd tune, but all the way through and keep the dialogue going and keep an interesting emotional story going. You can imagine this was 1973, so this is set in 62, so it's only... Set set in 62, the same year as the last movie we reviewed was made <laughs> there you go <laughs> but we're only talking like 11 years 
So the teenagers from 1962 are now in their 30s. Yes. Probably going to see this movie. Yeah, this was being very nostalgic, wouldn't it? Perfect audience. And also, five years later, you're going to get Saturday Night Fever, Grease, that does a similar sort of thing that the soundtrack album is the score for the movie. Yeah. Grease was a musical. I know that's different. But But again, Grease was set 50s, wasn't it? Exactly. So there's this whole, this nostalgia thing, this 70s thing that we spoke about. They say it all goes in 20-year cycles, doesn't it? Mm. The 80s revival we've had, and it's still going on to a certain degree now. I'm dreading the 90s and the 2000s revival. There's some 90s stuff that I like, but... But you remember when we, in the ki- when we were kids in the eighties, the si- that's how we learned. 60s, yeah, that's um, how we learned to love the sixties music. Yeah, and there was a lot of covers or re-releases in the eighties of sixties songs. I remember the Levi's adverts? That's yeah, how we used and to get a lot of Jackie stuff. Wilson yeah, yeah, came back and all that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can see why the resurgence happens here. Do you know what? I haven't even played the trailer yet. Should we take a break, play the trailer, we'll come back and actually talk about the film? <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> and never do wrong to hold in mind Trailer! Trailer! trailer. American Graffiti! Where were you in 62? that special one and jump into your candy-colored custom or your screaming machine, cruise downtown and catch American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Baby, what's that? It's a movie. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Go back in time. Where were you in 62? Is that you in that beautiful car? Jeez, what a waste of machinery. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, rock, we're going to rock Around the clock tonight What, what did you say? Someone wants me Someone roaming the streets wants me And I bet you're smart enough to get us some brew A ballpoint pen, a pint of old Harper Okay, you got an ID for the liquor? Not until I left it in the car You'll have to get it before Oh, well, I, I also, I forgot the car we're finally getting out of this turkey town. You just can't stay 17 forever. You never get tired of going to daddy with somebody that ain't around. I'm up for grabs. If I had a boyfriend, he'd pound you. What's wrong? Go to hell. Get your boogaloos out, baby. The Wolfman is everywhere. You know Toby Juarez? We killed him last night. Excuse me, I think we've had an accident. Well, I won't report you this time, but next time, just watch it, will you? I 
can dig it. It's one of those great old movies about romance, racing, and rock and roll. Oh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Where were you in 62? American Graffiti, released on the 11th of August 1973 in the USA. And as you quite rightly said, mate, it was written, directed by George Lucas. Never heard of him. Wouldn't, wouldn't amount to nothing, that bloke. Wouldn't no, it's anything, rubbish. <laughs> this cast list, now, it's not a cast list of stars, it's a cast list of future stars. Mm. Yeah, because I can't imagine in 73 that any of these were known. No. I mean, there's Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard, Wolfman Jack's in there from the 1950s, but yeah. you've got Bo Hopkins, you've got a certain Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read the synopsis, and then normally we we sort of slag off IMDb with like the briefest of synopsis, but someone has written something here, sums it up. It's the proverbial end of the summer, 1962, in a small Southern California town. It's the evening before best friends and recent high school graduates Kurt Henderson and Steve Belander are scheduled to leave town to head to college back east. Kurt, who received a lucrative local scholarship, is seen as the promise that their class holds. But Kurt is having second thoughts about leaving what Steve basically sees as their dead-end town. I'm going to stop there because this goes on for about another four or five I was going to say, that's uh, <laughs> he's going to tell you the whole story, yeah. isn't he? And, and, and also, I don't think that's the crux of the movie. It's just... What's going on about the relationship between the kids and, and more oh. importantly, the music? Um, it's a bit on wiki, I think, says it better. Go for it, give us a better one. Um, so it says, set in Modesto, California in 62. Mm. Film is a study of the cruising and early rock and roll cultures popular among the early baby boomer generations. There you go, that's better. Through a series of vignettes, the film tells the story of a group of teenagers and their adventures over the course of one single night. And it is one single night. You forget that as well, don't you? Yeah, because halfway through, when they went to the liquor store, it it was, he asked the bloke the time. What's the time? Oh, it's quarter to 12. I'm like, this is 1962. Two, what, yeah, yeah, sixty-two, yeah. and there's a liquor store open at quarter to midnight. It's the US, though. I was going to say over there, wasn't it? At the time, I don't yeah. think we had stores we had open li- to that time well, ever. No, we had the licensing laws that are still bloody in force now, you know, to a certain degree. Um, it was all different. That's why America was so appealing to the kids of mm. that time because it was, you know, there was no Sunday closing. There was <laughs> all this stuff going on. It was a, a great snapshot of, I mean, you've got to think, it's it's when, it's still the early years of teenagers as such. They, they because, weren't invented, were yeah, they? Yeah, they didn't 50, exist 60, until yeah. after the Second World War. Yeah. And, and this is them sort of becoming who they are. Yeah. It's, and the fact that they were, it wasn't a big town. But they just kept on driving up and down this strip and round. Because that was round. all there was to do, or that was the you know the yeah. done thing. Yeah. And the one burger joint, the drive-in burger joint. Mills. Yeah. Mate, if we ever win the lottery, you're going to open one. Then. Me and you are going to open one. You're going to be on the roller skates. I'll be <laughs> flipping the burgers. 
but that, that that was like a dream to us. I mean, we didn't live through the 60s, you know, but we never had drive-in movies. We never had these drive-in burger places that... I, I love the idea of the, the, one of the early things is him pulling up and giving his order and yeah. he couldn't hear whatever was said yeah. back. Um, but at that point, not seeing the bigger picture, you think, oh, it's a drive through Yeah. But it's only when it pans out and each individual parking space has got one of these order point and speakers on. And you sit there on. and they put the... Thing, yeah. Remember the beginning of the Flintstones, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's that, you know. <laughs> yeah, the big old... Whatever, whatever it was, the Brontosaurus burger or something. <laughs> so for, for us in, in dull and dreary, you know, Great Britain, that was romantic, that was colourful, that was exciting, you know. Yeah. Rock and roll was born in the USA. It was the Beatles that then invaded in 64, two years after this, where everything sort of changed. So the rock and roll thing was influencing the entire world. Yeah, uh, I... Also, it's it's the way that obviously now there's so much to do sitting in your own house with technology as it is. You don't go Teenagers out. Teenagers <laughs> don't go out. Yeah. So this was their getting out, meeting other people. It was their social media getting at the time. A, getting away from the parents. Yeah. Because what else would you be doing? You'd be sitting there with your parents. 1962, there would have been yeah. a TV. You'd be watching yeah. whatever boring crap they were watching. Yeah, you'd be watching I Love Lucy or whatever it would have yeah. been on the TV, but that uh, would love to have lived through that period. I mean, I spoke to Charlie on a previous podcast and he said to me, if you had a time machine, where would you go back? And I said, I'd go back to the time when my parents were teenagers, which would have been late 50s, early 60s. Yes, And he me, said, yeah. you could go anywhere. You could go back to Victorian times, Tudor time. Whatever. No, I said, no. I'd rather live that life for a yeah, while. And, yeah, and see it with your own eyes. Yeah. And, and also, as with anything, it's people who write about it afterwards, are they doing it from a nostalgic tinted glasses? <laughs> Where, was it really like yeah, that? Yeah, was it really like that? Mm. Um, and I've, obviously I've seen, we've, we've mm. seen actual documentaries and that and yeah. footage of it. So it, it definitely was there, but was it as... Yeah, were the teenagers as free and rebellious as they? Yeah, I've, I've shown seen to be things about you know when we look at London in the swinging sixties as they yeah. called it. And all we see on TV is Carnaby Street and the people that are dressed sort of outlandishly in that. Your everyday teenager wasn't dressed in no. the Union Jack waistcoats and the big top hats and all that sort of stuff. But there was a certain amount of freedom. There was a certain amount of rebellion. And as you quite rightly pointed out, it was the birth of the teenager a few years previously. Yeah. That gave this freedom that they never had before. And, and the devil's music, rock and roll, Elvis Presley and all of this was it's, their chance to express it. What I found quite strange as well with rock and roll, it became such a white music and yet derived from black music. Black and blues, yeah. Yeah. Right. And to the point where if you saw, obviously there were still um, racial issues in America at that time. Yes. Um, but if you saw black people dancing to rock and roll, you would have found it strange, even though 
they basically invented it. They just, <laughs> they just, <laughs> it was taken over by the white people. It was adopted. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, and it, if you is... if you look in that film, and okay, this is filmed in seventy three, mm. so it would have been more relaxed by then. But obviously, dating it to sixty two, there is very very few people of any colour. Is there any? I can't remember. I. I think there was a there was a black I'm sure there was a black guy in there at some point, but he was doing a menial job. I can't A bit like Back to the Future with Mayor Goldie Wilson working. Yeah. In. <laughs> it's true actually. That's that's a good example. Yeah. Of a of a modern day interpretation of what's going on at this well, it's fifty eight, wasn't it, or something, I can't remember, but um that small town with the rock and roll music playing in the background and revolving around a diner. 55. It was 55, yeah, yeah. Um, how many times have you seen this? My second time. Oh, is that all? I thought yep. you'd seen this a few. No, I remember having seen it in my 20s and knowing that I it really got to me. Yeah. Um, and just flicking through movies to watch... Um, a couple of weeks ago, me and you were speaking over the phone, and yeah. I, I saw this, and I'm just like, I've got to watch it again. I, I ah. need to, I need to see if, when I watched it, it was just the right time, right place for me to see it. Because yeah. I would have still been early twenties, just out of my teenage yeah. years, and yeah, it's nothing to do with the age at which I watched it. It's the fact that it's a, it's a damn good film with a fantastic uh, oh. soundtrack. Yeah, you saying. Um, you watch it late at night when you finish work or whatever. It was shown as part of. Do you remember Movie Drone? Yeah, on a Saturday sat- night. Yeah, yeah. Might have seen it then. <laughs> it was shown as part of that on a Sunday evening, so you might have caught that one, that that particular screening of it. Um, we've got to talk about the cast. We said, not particularly stars, but future stars. It's. I always have trouble slightly with American uh, teenage films, even yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that Americans look so much older than us, <laughs> like oh, in I teenage years. I mean, in you teenagers. Look, you, you, know, you look at some of them old films from the 50s that the, the British brought out. The, the, oh. Somebody's supposed to be 18 years old. They look 38. No, but I'm saying actual American teenagers – if if you ever see any of these living pop idols or X Factors yeah. in America and the voice in America yeah. and you get some singer come on and you go, Oh, she's really good, she's really pretty. Yeah. Hi, my name's Cindy, I'm fourteen. You what? Oh right, she looks about <laughs> yeah, twenty one, twenty two, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's they they age much quicker. They're much more <laughs> I don't mean that horribly, I mean they mature so much. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> um and it is difficult for me with Richard Dreyfus, especially in this. Richard Dreyfus just, has always looked forty. He, yeah, he was supposed to be seventeen. Uh, Ron Howard was supposed to be seventeen. I think Ron Howard did look quite young. In yeah, this. I mean, when did they do Happy Days? A couple because, of years after this. Yeah, because he doesn't look. He doesn't look any different. Yeah. And again, Link, seven, uh, sort of fifties, sixties yeah. music. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. I, I think it's difficult to 
if you put kids in there, like real kids, yeah. then it, it's going to look yeah wrong. strange. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I was saying to you just before we started recording, um, the men, the male stars, all seem to have gone on and done bigger and better things. Yeah. And yet none of the females in major roles particularly have have made a an impact a, anyway. Yeah, a long career out of it. Right. Let's according to IMDB, top of the bill it's got here Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Literally two years later, Jules. Right. Yeah. Ron Howard. Now acting wise He'd done a few things. Well, it was but, Happy Days, wasn't yeah, it, throughout but, the 70s and the early But as a director... He's, top of the tree. He, right? He's brilliant, yeah. We need to talk about Charles Martin Smith. <coughs> what was it you told me just a minute ago? Because I, I mentioned The Untouchables and you yeah, went, mm. I, I see him in it and I'm thinking, it reminds me of Rick Moranis. It's not Rick Moranis. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's too early for him. And I'm like, where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? And I, I was watching it for about 10 minutes before I finally went. Did it take it's, you that long? It's in the bloody untouchable, Which isn't is it? your it's only my favourite film. Favourite yeah. film, exactly. Now, apart from that, you've got Bo Hopkins who went on to a couple of things, but the female stars. You've also missed out Harrison Ford was in I there was going to well. save him. Yeah, all yeah. oh, right. <laughs> Cindy Williams. Not so familiar to us, but she was no. in Laverne and Shirley on TV. Oh, okay, that in, in was a big running yeah. one, wasn't it? So for us, it, yeah, it, it's nothing major, really, mm. because Laverne and Shirley, I think, was shown late at night, or we only had one season of it shown you. She was in the conversation the year after, which was the Francis Ford Coppola thing that he did after The Godfather. But that's about it. Wasn't Coppola involved in this movie? Probably was because of um, Lucas. They're all sort of linked, weren't they? Yeah, Lucas I'm sure. Spielberg. I'm sure he was part of this producer, possibly. Oh, is it American Zoetrope production? Possibly. I don't know. Let's have a look. We'll find him in a second. But the other female star is Candy Clark, and the only thing I remember her from was the Man Who Fell to Earth. She's the female lead in the, the David Bowie movie. Coppola. Uh, the film's lengthy casting process was overseen by Fred Ruse, who worked with producer Francis Ford Coppola on The Godfather. So, yeah, it was produced Ooh, by... Yeah. Well, you think it's that, that late 60s, early 70s, the American New Wave stuff, where mm. Spielberg, Coppola, Lucas, all of those guys were, were making these revolutionary movies, and it just sort of changed from the studio system into this independent type of movie. And and you did mention a certain Mr. Ford. As yeah, well. I, I, what's he done since this yeah. film? I don't know if he's done Don't to nothing, mate. Really. Yeah, well, I say working with Lucas again in the Star Wars films. Yeah, yeah, and again, he, he was in the conversation, which was Coppola's movie the following year as well. So they, they were all working together. There's this core group of people that some went on to greater things and some didn't. Yeah, yeah, but I just find it strange that it's. The males that all went on, I'd, you'd, yeah. you'd think, I mean, this should have been a time where some women were becoming standouts because obviously in the 60s, 50s and 60s, you had loads of standout female yeah. actresses, um, but not so much at this point. But this in this the particular movie, I think, is, is male-led, isn't it? It's oh, it is because the, the two guys that are going away... 
and then obviously their best mates are both sort of a major part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the female character that stood out for me was the young sister. Oh, Carol. in John, is it John's car? Or? Yeah. The, yeah. Mackenzie Phillips. She's, she's, she's Carol, is brilliant. It? Yeah. Pl- playing the, 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 the young teenager that wants to be part of the crowd. Yeah. Think, I mean, she thinks, stood out more than the leads yeah, to be. Yeah, think she's more grown up than she was, like many young teenagers would. Uh, she was born in 59, so she's 14 in this movie. Oh, crikey, 13, yeah. 14 in and this I movie. And I think that's about the age she was playing. Yes, yeah. But she was the standout female performance for me. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, the only other... I think um, the other one, the, the one... Um, I keep thinking Rick Moranis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Charles Martin Smith. Yeah, yeah. The the girl that got in his car eventually, or well, not not his car. That's Candy Clark, Candy isn't Clark. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was quite good in it, but playing quite a ditzy blonde yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, but I I liked their sort of journey through the film um, because he was obviously not the uh, best looking fella around and the one that pulled the girls. Because of the car possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but even when she he'd lost the car she sort of she'd yeah. got to know him enough. Yeah. I just found it a really nice film that if someone asked you to plot you're like well it hasn't really no. got one. It is just almost a day in a life of sort of eight, ten sort Teenage of high kids. school high school students. See, if anyone asks me about American Feet, the first thing I go to is the soundtrack. Mm. That's the movie with the great 50s soundtrack, 60s soundtrack. Um, I, I couldn't even now tell you what the plot was. They're going on to college. That's all I can remember. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you've got Richard Dreyfuss's character on his hunt for the blonde in the white... Cadillac. Suzanne Summers. Yes, it was Suzanne Summers playing that. Um, Ron Howard's character is on his on off relationship with his girlfriend. He's going to have an open relationship while they're away. Yeah. He he, he wants an open relationship. Then he wants sex on the last (laughs) night. (laughs) And it's like, yeah. One thing that this is leading me on to is the way men treated women back there. Mm hmm. Absolutely horrific. <laughs> I I just find it really hard to believe that one men treated women that shit, and two that women put up with it. Yeah. Be- because I mean, in this day and age, it just wouldn't happen. That's interesting. Because would your attitude been different on your first watch? Would you have accepted it more? 20 years um, ago. We're talking early 90s. No, I probably wouldn't have. You'd still feel the same way about it. Yeah. Mm. I bet if you'd watched it in 1973. Oh, no, you, you probably wouldn't. No, <laughs> no. obviously, views change over yeah, time. But I, I just I just found it... Re- There's a couple of times you'd think, don't be so fucking rude. <laughs> <laughs> when they're hanging out the windows like... 
at the girls walking past and oh, making the kind of moon is being pulled as well and, at yeah, my point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just like Christ. <coughs> and I know that they're not quite adults; they're still sort of kids. Yeah, but I mean, in, in this day and age now, you you couldn't get away with that behaviour. No, no, unless you were doing a period piece. Like yeah. This. So I'm just trying to think. 1973 what sort of teen movies there were. I'm struggling to think of any sort of like teen directive films. I mean, the 80s, we can easily go to the John Hughes stuff that we spoke about. Yeah, we said before that 80s was the real birth of the teen movie. See, I don't Um, think this is a teen movie. I think this is directed at the 30-year-olds that were teens in 1962. Yeah. Yeah, definitely to try and trigger that nostalgia of... That era and and bring back your school days. Yeah, and at the same time, with that seventies revival that m- would have started at this point. Hell, that's a cash cow coming in with that forty-one track. Yeah, LP cash cow. Mm-hmm. Funny you say that. So I was looking earlier just at the figures on this film. Go on. So it was produced on a budget of seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars. Which in seventy three That's probably it's, quite it's, a, it's quite a fair bit. amount, yeah. I mean most of it was probably spent on getting all the cars and that. <laughs> probably spent on the music rights. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia has this as box office. So sorry, seven hundred and seventy seven thousand, mm-hmm. right? Wiki has this as box office of one hundred and forty million dollars. Which is incredible. Mm. But um, the film received widespread critical acclaim and was nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. Was it? Oh, I didn't even realise that. Yeah. It has become one of the most profitable films of all time. Mm-hmm. Since its initial release, American Graffiti has garnered an estimated return of well over $200 million. That ain't bad, is it? <laughs> It's quite incredible that it's still it still sells today. You I mean, okay, yeah, you get films that will go on forever. Yeah. But this isn't one that is in any IMDB top twenties or top fifties. It's not I know it's well respected. Yeah, it's it, it's it's everyone's I think it's just a sort of quite a heartfelt film and quite a personal film to people for a lot of different reasons. I think it's because of that nostalgia thing, like I say, those that were in their 30s at the time. And I was just quickly looking on IMDb thinking, okay, what did he direct after this, George Lucas? And it was Star Wars. There's nothing in between this and Star Wars that he directed. Three years. 77. I don't know how familiar you are with George Lucas, but one of the very first films he did was a sci-fi thing called THX 1138. Ooh. <laughs> Quite famous. It's one of the like, low-budget things that he did. The number plate on one of the cars was THX 138. Oh, clever. Yeah, he I kept like it. That. But um, let's have a quick look, because the next directing thing that he actually was involved in was Star Wars in 77, as producer, let's have a look. There so must be must, something in between, yeah, you surely. you don't take a three, four-year break. Let's have a look. So this was 73. Producer, Star Wars, 77. Um, 
What has he done in that four years in between, mate? Uh, let's have a look at... Lift off, lift off the profits of this Probably. Film. Let's have a look at writer, shall we? Writer, possibly? Well, while you're doing that, in 95, the US Library of Congress yep. deemed the film culturally, historically, or aesthetic, aesthetically significant and selected it for preservation in a National Film Registry. I can so, see that. Yeah. Because it does. I mean, more than a... You could make documentaries and that, but for a film, you could go back in a 100 years' time and say, okay, what was 1960s America like? Yeah. And and this would be a good sort of snippet of that time. Not saying it's a documentary. No. Or a- <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's actual life-like, but it would give you an idea. Yeah. Um, even as writer, there's nothing between American graffiti and Star Wars. Gardening leave. What did you do, <laughs> George Lucas? What did you was do? He <laughs> what did you do, <laughs> producer? Uh, no, nothing in between. I can't. I can't find it. Anybody, George, if you're listening, <laughs> which he does, get a life, which he does quite <laughs> often. <laughs> Where were you between? What, what was going on for four years with George Lucas? Prison. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Okay, I'm, I'm surprised it's only a second time watch for you, by the way. Do you know what? It won't be so long for the next watch. You really enjoyed this, oh, didn't you? I loved you? it. Absolutely loved it. Strange. It's just what it, you still baffle me. I'm still fathoming out your likes and dislikes with regard to movies, and I don't think I ever will get to the bottom of how your fucking like brain what works. I like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Was it what we used to say about you? Was it? I know what I like and I like what I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's you all over. No, no, now I'm leaving you guessing because you don't know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to rate this out of your 10 star system. Nine. Bloody hell, I think that's the most you've ever given a movie. <laughs> Sorry, I just nearly knocked everything flying there. Um, <laughs> nine. Yeah, I yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd watch this. I'd have it on in the background just for the soundtrack. Again, that's again. true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just... Even though it was two decades before I was, or set two decades before me and you were teenagers, yeah. there's a lot of similarities. You can feel the angst that they were going <laughs> yeah. through. We said um, this about the John Hughes stuff as well, yeah. didn't we? Because we grew up in I mean, that was our teenage yeah. years. But, yeah, just because the music's changed and the technology's changed, teenagers still feel a lot of the same shit. Teens are still teens, mate, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's surprised me. Nine out of ten from you. That's that's worthy praise indeed. And yourself? Uh, in the five star system, it's a four. Oh, it's only eight out of ten. Oh, uh, yeah, well, no, see, eight out of ten yeah. is not the same as four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I will explain that to you at some, but it probably is it eight out of ten. I like the movie. I love the movie. The soundtrack is particularly dear to my heart because that cassette I probably wore out. Yeah. Um, and it built my love for 50s and 60s music, which is still with me now. Watching it this time around, which I haven't seen it for about six or seven years possibly, lovely to see Richard Dreyfus and Harrison Ford and Ron Howard as kids. Mm. But it still looked fresh as well. I watched it on Blu-ray. I mean, I you did. probably watched a decent copy as well. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if somebody was filming that today... Filming a movie set in 1962, it would look exactly like that. Yeah, 
Um, if you go back to Stand By Me, which was yeah, made in the eighties, mm. but set again a similar era ish, yeah. and it looked almost the same on film. Yeah, and um, there's nothing in there. You go, oh, that's dated, or no, oh, shut up, phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we say about these period pieces or these nostalgia pieces, and that if they get it right. And he got it right. George Lucas got it right here. There's no fault in it at all. Very much so. I'd be, I'd have been interested to see like George Lucas talking about this film because I bet you when they made it, they weren't expecting great things. No, because he wasn't a known. As I say, it was it was personal to him because it was based on bits of his teenage years. Yeah. Um, and to get that sort of return for that money, you know, it's like... Yeah, that is a crazy amount. Less than a million paid and 200 million back. Yeah, mm. yeah. No wonder there was a blank checkbook waiting for him at Fox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't go wrong. Sorry, I've just... Something caught my eye. All right, so Ron Howard was obviously suggested for the cast. Howard would later appear in the very similar role of Richie Cunningham yes. on Happy Day sitcom. Bob Balaban turned down Terry out of fear no. of becoming typecast. No, <laughs> my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you weren't alive at this point. <laughs> Who's Bob Balaban? <laughs> Listeners, answers on a postcard. Um, let's take a break. We're going to be back with what we're watching next time. And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. think you'll like this one. I hope so. There's a little peek behind the curtain there, listeners, as to what discussions go on before we reveal <laughs> what's coming next time. You're a little bit trepidatious about this, mate, because you're always a bit worried about what I'm going to bring to you. <laughs> I've taken a drink, I've lit a bag. <laughs> <laughs> All I've just said to you in that little break was it's 1977. Okay, so that that's not too bad. That's not too bad, he says. How old were you in 77? Six, seven, seven. years old, didn't you? Yeah. Mm. I think you've seen this probably at least half a dozen times. It's not Greece, is it? It's not Greece, no. <laughs> Bearing in mind what we've been talking about, we've got George Lucas and we're talking Steven Spielberg, we're talking Richard Dreyfuss. Ooh. How about Close Encounters of the I, Third? I, I, I just guessed that in my head. <laughs> wow. Um... I have not seen that for a lot of years. Really? No, I yeah. thought you would have seen that quite regularly. No, I, I watched it a lot as a teenager, mm. or like early, even early in teen. Yeah. But, yeah. You, you like that idea? It would be interesting to see whether it holds up. Okay, what well, I'm going to suggest, looking around this room, I've got a marvellous projector and yeah. big screen here. Would you like to come over early next time, possibly, on 
and watch that that would be on a larger a larger viewing platform sir that might make me hate the film less <laughs> <laughs> do you not like the film you've seen I, do you know what I couldn't tell you if I loved it hated it was somewhere in the middle I don't think I've watched it in adult life oh my god okay for those of you listening that's at least 30 years yeah during the war <laughs> yeah oh you're in for a treat my son am I <laughs> I I think you are Oh, I'm. I will. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna offer the invite. I know it's to, about first contact with aliens. It's about things. UFOs. Yeah, but it's but, a Spielberg movie starring yeah. the great Mr. Dreyfus, oh. whose, whose autograph is there on the wall, which was a present from yourself and amongst other people. Um, I think. Yeah, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that your memories of Spielberg probably go Jaws, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, yeah. things like that. E.T. Yeah. And I think this is classic era Spielberg. And all the elements are there. Yeah. Everything is there that makes it a Spielberg movie. Yeah. I'm I'm intrigued to watch it again because I don't think I don't think if I saw it on TV now I'd I'd just go yeah I saw it back in the day and I I wouldn't particularly touch on it. Okay. It's, It's quite a long movie. It's good two and a bit hours. But I'm thinking We'll watch it here and then review straight afterwards. Works for me. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Okay. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. As always. It always is, mate. Thank you so much, mate. I will see you next time. See you later. ta The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Master arms, that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said, don't wear a frown, try positive thinking, laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side, on hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking. Treat every season of spring, no glancing back. Try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you're ugly. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.